Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are officially live. Welcome back to the Sober Grind podcast, episode number 13. Sober Grind. My name is Austin. I am joined by the ever so handsome and suave... Edge, only, only when I'm sitting next to you. Only when I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> Your baby blues bring out my baby, blues, my baby yeah. browns. <laughs> Depending which screen you're looking at on this, my eyes may have been uh, taken out by the green screen behind us. <laughs> but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to be back weekly as always. So happy to be streaming and talking about this uh, useful content for you all. Um, so today we are talking about the history of drugs and drug use. So this is going to be super interesting. It's going to go maybe all over the place because mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of great questions. If you have a lot of great questions, leave a comment in the box below. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Sober Grind podcast. The link to that is in the description of this video. Uh, and also share it. We would love to uh, to reach more people, impact a lot more people. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Pej, the the expert here. So uh, where do you, where do you want to start? Okay, with the history so, of drugs. I'm far from an expert, but I, I'm an expert. Well, I'm, listen, I'm going to be totally transparent. Please. And anonymity out the window. I understand in twelve step programs you want to stay anonymous. You don't want mm. people to. But how will people know truly? Like. If, if how can I sit here and talk about drugs and drug usage if I haven't quite experienced it myself too? Right. So I'm gonna you know talk about why I even came up with this topic, why I, w I wanted to talk about this today because yeah, I think it's super uh, interesting. We talk about um, recovery all the time. We talk about um, people losing their lives to addiction, and we always talk about the success stories, and that's great. That's mm -hmm. fine and dandy. But what is it that like we haven't really talked about the drugs themselves? Right? Yeah. So it's a good point. First of all, are we on that camera, that camera, or that camera, or all three cameras? All three cameras. All three. Hello, hello, hello. I'm just going to like talk to all three cameras. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, the reason that I came up with this is that over the weekend, I just, I, I had this thought, you know, I thought like, where did it all start? Like, yeah. how did I even get turned on to drugs? Like, why was it, what was, what was it within me that thought that I needed to actually go and like experiment with drugs? I remember, you know, growing up in Utah, like without even knowing what drugs were. I remember like in a high school, it was like in a junior high school health class. Um, they, 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 as they do in most health classes in junior high schools and high schools, mm -hmm. they talk about drug use, right? Yeah. And I dare. remember oh. dare and things like that. But there was actually like, I remember them showing this uh, video footage of a guy on PCP. Oh, and, interesting. And, yeah. And he was like, he had this like outrageous amount of strength and he went crazy i don't know if really? anybody else ever saw that he went crazy so immediately like that instilled some kind of fear in me but then yeah. they talked about like sniffing inhalants and things like that and don't do them because they're they're highly dangerous so of course curious pej that i was very uncomfortable in my own skin i wanted to experiment i wanted to see like mm. what is it and i remember like back then they had this stuff called rush that you inhaled it and would get you high for like a few minutes and kind of take you out of right here right now and just give you like this quick head rush well, what head is bus. that I'm not to this day. I'm not even sure what it was, but all I know is that it would give you a major rush, right? Mm. And it was very temporary, very, very like quick acting, and it wouldn't last more than 20 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. So we had to take it to another level. They said um, there was like we would we would sniff all kinds of inhalants. There was they said you know don't don't sniff like the the whiteout. So we sniffed mm. the whiteout. It would get you kind of high. Yeah. Then uh, other things like uh, gasoline, huffing gas. They said don't do that. It sounds absurd, but kids will sniff stuff to get off. 
whether it be well, sure anything that you're told not to do is an inclination to do it that's right if the grass says don't walk on the grass some kids will it. stomp yeah. on the grass yeah. right mm -hmm. so i definitely you know i wanted to i was curious i was mowing lawns and i started sniffing gas and i sniffed so much until i went into the other side and when you go into the other side it's like a whole other world mm -hmm. you basically see a lot of things it's sort of like you're hallucinating a bit mm -hmm. and and you, you, it takes you out of right here right now into another world so that was like my first experience really with getting loaded on some Thing that, and it wasn't really like the most normal drug. Like, there's not a yeah. lot of people out there sniffing gas, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, and then there's king alcohol. Alcohol is always readily available. It's yeah. either in your in your wine cabinet, it's in your household, you know. Alcohol, and, and I grew up in Utah, and still, regardless of the fact that most of the people were Mormon in Utah, alcohol was around. We would do anything sure. we could. They, even though they didn't sell it on Sundays, they still sold it on all the other days of the week. So we would go into various stores, and we'd get alcohol, and we'd drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. I mean, however that may be. I'd go to weddings. There was always alcohol readily available, so I drank at weddings, you know. And I was a curious child. I, once I got a little bit in me, it wasn't like I just wanted to stop right there. You get a little buzz going, it takes you out of right here, right now again. So mm -hmm. then you feel good and you want to do some more. And I, you know, and then for a while I was just chasing it. Obviously, marijuana. The history of marijuana, we know that marijuana's been around for centuries, right? Alcohol's been around for a long time too. So what happened? I, you know, between the weed and the alcohol, it was really cool to smoke weed because again, it gave you that, that it sort of was, it gave you this warm sensation that just overtook your whole head and made you feel like, this is great. I feel happy. Mm -hmm. Everything is enhanced. The music sounds better. The movie looks more entertaining. Sure. You know, yeah. everything just feels better, right? And it definitely, like, for a lot of kids, like especially in my household, with a lot of the stuff that was going on in our household, um, it took me out of right here, right now. It was a great escape, right? Mm -hmm. I look at, um, you know, during that time, obviously, it was in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And we'd already had our hippie phase in the 60s and, you know, the 70s. And, and at that time, you know, Growing up, I was kind of in high school, and I remember we were experimenting with acid. Sure. The Grateful Dead were still really big. Yeah. You know, I remember um, being, uh, I had moved out here to California. I remember getting this pamphlet from UCI that said, kids that do acid and ecstasy um, have a deeper thought process. Mm. And, and they're, Interesting. they have a more open mind to things in life. And automatically, me, me, who's already experimenting with drugs, that became a green light for me to just take off and do as much as I can. Wow. So I was doing acid. I was doing ecstasy. And during that time, like the rave scene was growing. It was it was really big. A lot of people were selling ecstasy, acid, doing mushrooms, all the hallucinogens, you know. Yes. Well, just pause for uh, a minute. It's, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, there's... Uh, I've heard a lot of talk recently about um, bringing uh, psilocybin mushrooms and uh, small doses of LSD mm -hmm. back into clinical use right. uh, for use in addiction and mental health issues and struggles with that. Right. Um, not to sidetrack you. I just wanted to. It's not a sidetrack at all. Actually, I just I, I read about it the other day. I heard about it the other day in the news that that is um, it's being talked about again. Obviously, mm -hmm. did you know that ecstasy? From what I, from the research I did back then when I was experimenting with drugs, mm -hmm. I looked up ecstasy. I wanted to see like, where did it originate from? Like, what did they use it for? Supposedly, marriage, family counselors would, they when it was still legal, would give it mm -hmm. to their clients to help them bond better. Because because ecstasy gives you this like, euphoric like I love you feeling like I just love everybody around me mm -hmm. and I love you and I just want to hug you and kiss you and whatever you know mm -hmm. so a lot of people that were you know having troubles in their marriage they'd go to their therapist and the therapist would prescribe them this then I think that the FDA uh, kind of stepped in and there's no, sure. no way we can't have this this is yeah. like 
uh, totally illegal, and they, they, they made it illegal. So that's that. Um, again, back to the 80s. So here I am, a 16, 17-year-old kid that's doing a lot of hallucinogens. Cocaine comes onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I, I don't know if you've done, you know, if you know about, like, what was going on, was that the crack epidemic was becoming really big. I mean, down in South Central, there was a lot of people that were selling crack on the streets, and mm -hmm. there's rumors of how that got there, but we won't talk about that today. Sure. But, um, you know, a lot of people were getting zombified, and they were getting addicted yeah. to, to crack to the point where, um, you know, as kids down in Orange County, a few of our friends happened to get our hand on some cocaine, and we, we snorted cocaine, and that was like, uh, I remember before I ever tried coke, I remember hearing that you try cocaine one time, you're automatically addicted. And so, of course, I had to make sure, you know, I had to see if that was truly true. In your opinion, was it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the second I tried it, it was on and popping. I mean, mm. it was an ongoing thing. We were seeking it. We were getting it. We we had somebody that always made it available to us. Before you know it, we were up, staying up in hotel rooms, motel rooms, wherever we could do it, all night long. Yeah. You know, and it would go hand in hand with alcohol because mm. it would they would enhance each other. Mm. The more that you drank, the more you could feel the cocaine and just go all night long and keep drinking. Wow. And vice versa, you would actually feel the effects of alcohol more intensified because one is a stimulant, one's a depressant. Together, it was just like. A perfect partying drug at least that's what we thought at that time until the next day yeah of course the yeah. next day was always the come down right? right yeah a lot of depression sure horrible a, yeah a lot of like ill feelings mm. a lot of guilt shame mm -hmm. remorse so as we kept going on you know throughout time i remember that during that time you know we me <laughs> i started getting into steroids why is that? Because I wasn't, not only was I not comfortable with right here, right now, I wasn't comfortable with what, what was going on within. There was this void within me mm. that needed to be filled. And however yeah. that could be, whether I needed to make myself look better on the outside and, and think that people like me for my muscles. So I started doing steroids. Here I am, this kid, doing steroids, smoking weed before I went to the gym, and then doing cocaine all on Friday and Saturday night and partying up. Mm. So it was just like I was a trash can. I was just putting mm. tons of drugs in my body. The history was building, right? Right. Get off the steroids, what happens? You can't work out as hard, you start eating more, you're smoking weed, you get the munchies, and all of a sudden I become fat. Right? Mm. So so I become overweight. Ruthless cycle. Ruthless cycle. So what 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 was going on then at that time? People were doing meth. Mm. At that time they just called it crystal meth, right? Mm -hmm. It was the street name was called Crank. And mm. the way that crank originated Well, crystal meth within itself, if you really ever study history, it, it, it was, I believe the Chinese were the ones that created it. Really? Yes. And then I didn't know that. And then Hitler was giving it to his soldiers to keep them up longer, to become more agitated, to eat less, and to be wow. more combative. So, wow. And from what I understand, he was giving it to them in their food. So now it makes its way over here to the States. Never heard that before. And during that time, a lot of the biker gangs were sneaking it in the crank shaft of their motorcycles is that where the nickname came from crank mm. and that back then it was just straight crystal methamphetamines it was there was different different makeups of it but mm -hmm. mostly you snorted it some people would shoot it um you didn't smoke it much but over a period of time that migrated into glass mm -hmm. and that was more cleaned with it was they would clean it with acetone and it was smokable mm. and then and, a higher form of that was ice, which later kind of made its way mostly out to Hawaii. Now it's found in the Midwest. There's ice all over the place, you know. Yeah, I know. It's now, a big I've neglected there. the big H word because 
during that time, there wasn't a lot of people doing heroin. At mm. least not during the time that I was growing up in the 80s. There wasn't a lot of people in our circle doing heroin. Heroin has been around for years and years. Mm -hmm. People have been doing it, you know, in America since the 60s and 70s, maybe even longer. But um, I didn't see a lot of heroin at that time, right? There was like mm -hmm. a few friends that would, would were doing heroin, and to us, they were the junkies, although we were all... To a certain extent, junkies. So heroin's been a more recent thing. Heroin, like this is what I saw in, so, in so, America, anyway. In America, well, no, it's been around. There's always been heroin addicts, mm -hmm. right, uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Just not around our circle at that time. Perhaps because we were in an area where the, some of the people were either middle class or upper class. It was more uh, more kids were getting into cocaine and speed and things like that. Speed back then was mostly a West Coast thing. Mm -hmm. You didn't really find gotcha. it in the Midwest much. You didn't find it. Although, before the actual crystal meth that was out, there was medical speed, which was called whiteys, cross tops. They were in That's a pill form. They would keep you up all night. And they were prescribed? They were prescribed. Like caffeine, like heavy-duty caffeine pills? Heavy, heavy-duty. Wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it, they weren't just prescribed. They were also prescribed by street doctors, too. That were, well, sure. They yeah. had their street, own, street their own version of prescribing yeah. them. Right? <laughs> but, you know, over a period of time... Uh, so speed just kept on becoming more and more and more intense. Mm. And I remember there was a time when somebody that I know very closely was taking stuff out to Hawaii and distributing it, and it was ice, and that somebody was wondering, like, how many people's lives am I ruining with this? And it turned out down the line, in the 90s, one in eight people in Hawaii was addicted to ice. That high? That high. One in eight. That makes a, a complete epidemic. So, Oof. I mean, there is a place in Hawaii called Tent City that's just a lot of, yeah. you know, tweakers that mm -hmm. are all, you know, mm -hmm. methed out, addicted to ice. So it's sad. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, I remember, like, in my late 20s, uh, I had a roommate mm -hmm. who had moved in with me, and he was, you know, a one of a kind. He was mm -hmm. a partier. He liked to party really hard. He would go up to L.A. a lot. I was living in Orange County. He'd go up to L.A. a lot and go, you know, for the whole weekend. This is like the first time I actually saw somebody that not only was addicted to heroin, but then died and had an overdose on heroin. Mm. So I'm in my mid-20s. His girlfriend calls me, says that he's up at his dealer's house up in, in uh, Hollywood, and he had overdosed on heroin. Wow. And they were afraid to call the authorities, so they just basically watched him die there. That oh, was like my first terrible. experience with, with that, and that yeah. was in my mid-20s. Now, me, I'm a, at the time, I'm doing other drugs. I ended up going to that guy's funeral high. A lot of people that go to their friends' funerals when they overdose are probably high. A lot of their friends, because obviously they is were... Is it because they don't want to deal with the situation? No, they were hanging out just, with these people in the first place, so it's mm. not like they just stopped being addicts. Right, yeah. Right? But they do want to come and pay their respect and pay... Sure. You know, they're remorseful. They're yeah. sad. Part of them definitely wants to go and support their friend. Yeah. But also, you know, I remember I, I got high in the parking lot of my friend's funeral. Mm. So that happens. Um, as time went on, you know... Pretty much, I, I tried to do everything I could, except for PCP. I never messed with PCP because of that one video that I saw in health class in junior high school that had just stuck with me and scared, scared the crap scared out of me. <laughs> Although we tried mescaline, which is kind of a different form of it. Mm -hmm. But as time progressed, finally... Um, Comes out of a cactus, right? I believe so, yes. Interesting. My demise... I watched a movie about that. Yeah. ...was meth. I call it the devil's dandruff. Mm. By the time I was in my... 30s mm -hmm. uh i had done a lot of meth i had a nice case of meth mouth mm. i had smoked it i had snorted it i'd done everything i'd put it in my body in every possible way that i could mm. and um 
it, it had gotten me arrested, it had got me thrown in jail, and finally when I went to treatment, it was because of meth, it was because of drinking, it was because of all different drugs, but that was, you know, that was it. That was the final, the icing on the cake and what had just brought me to my knees to the point where I wanted to get help. Now, my first day in treatment, the Wait, way- let's pause right there. Right. We'll leave this on a cliffhanger. Sure. Because we've got a lot of watchers. Uh, I want to take this brief moment, um, since we have some people in here, to answer any questions. Uh, do we have any questions about anything Pej has talked about so far? Ask me or, questions. Or drug use in general, the history of drugs, anything like that. Uh, we got one guy. Um, uh, I used to do the, that trucker speed back in the 80s. That's right. Yeah. We, it was either called uh, it was called jet fuel or, or mm. uh, biker dope. They biker call it dope. biker, biker dope wow. or trucker dope, right? Yeah. Because the truck drivers, they need to stay up all night long and yeah, yeah. diesels. Mm -hmm. So, like, they would do that stuff. Wow. I've, I've heard a lot of uh, business professional startups as well have gone to cocaine and to speed and all these things because, you know, it starts as caffeine pills and, and lots right. of caffeine because they want to work because, you know, they're on that grind. A and lot of professionals are into cocaine. Money and then it yeah, gets That's into right. to cocaine and speed. And it, and it was more expensive back then than, mm -hmm. than the speed. The speed was kind of more you know mm -hmm. grimy but you know mm -hmm. i know a lot of people that were high class that got into speed too and they became low bottom you know tweakers gotcha yeah yeah well does anyone have any questions no up oh. that was some carpet dope yeah when do you know what he means by that uh <laughs> i can only assume <laughs> so when people were doing speed often little pieces of it would fall into the carpet and then the tweakers would go with like a magnifying glass and a helmet with the light with on the it. helmet oh yeah helmet and a light. Because that's you know oh I mean, interesting you ever watch breaking bad yeah 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 we were okay. we were breaking bad before it was even thought of being a show but gotcha. uh they'll find little morsels on the ground and they'll go put it in their pipe and try and smoke and mm. sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't sometimes you just get <laughs> carpet sometimes you get a little crumb of some food a cornflake or something gotcha ain't that right richard so um well, we got another a few of my son's friends uh we're doing drugs in the parking lot at the funeral home right so yeah. rhonda says it right there so over a period okay so when i entered rehab yeah and i'll keep this short uh i no, remember no, no. my first day in rehab there was five guys in there mm -hmm. they were all kicking methadone kicking mm. methadone Mm -hmm. So they're talking to me about, yeah, I'm in here uh, quitting methadone. And I'm thinking like, well, I mean, I'd heard of methadone, but I wasn't a, a heroin addict to know like really what methadone was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? Meth? Yeah, me too. They're like, no, no, no. Methadone. You don't understand. Like, this is to get off of heroin. I, Addicted I, to the thing that was supposed to help them get right. off of heroin. I come to learn down at that time that methadone yeah. is more addictive than heroin. And it's harder to kick than heroin. And the kick crazy. is harder than that. I watched these guys go through some of the most excruciatingly mm. painful times of their lives. I'm talking like hot baths and Epsom salt and pain in, their, in the bones in their legs. And Can't even it, imagine. So I, I asked them, like, what was it? And they said, basically, at that time, that opiate, opiate, opioid mm. craze was going on. They were doing oxys, the 80 milligrams. Mm. I myself was selling them back then, but I, was, I never touched them. I was mm. more of an upper guy than mm -hmm. a downer guy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get it, but I, I got the fact that like, I could make money off of it, which I did. Now, these guys were all coming off of the methadone that was a, res a res direct result of them using the oxys, right? Mm -hmm. So now they were kicking that. None of them stayed sober. Very sad to say, but... None of them stayed sober. To this day, I don't know what happened to them. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, some of them ended up getting sober, but I, you know, I, would so. I probably would have heard about it because they were mm. uh, we were from the same region, for mm. better sake of words. But um, you know, then I, over a period of time, I obviously I stayed sober, and then I went mm -hmm. to school and I learned all pharma, pharmacology. We we took that all, all those 
classes in school and learned all about drugs and the different components and what mm. it's all made of and all okay, this stuff. I got other. some questions for you. I'll do my best. <laughs> but what I started to see is when I started working in treatment was, and, and I worked in an adolescent facility, was kids coming in that were smoking oxys, smoking oxy cotton. Okay, and I, I never like knew that ki anybody would smoke a pill. Right. But that's what these guys were doing. Some of them were smoking wow. them. Some of them were taking them. You know. And I'd ask. I'd find out. Like, where do you get these? Like, how? Do, how why are they so accessible to young kids? From their parents or grandparents' yeah. medicine cabinets, pretty much. Absolutely. That's where it would start, and then they would seek it out. They'd find street street dealers and things like that. But obviously, a lot of people that are prescribed for whatever pain, when they can't get the oxys anymore, they move on to heroin. Mm. On the West Coast, it's black tar heroin. Yeah. On the East Coast, it's China white. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah, I know in, in my town. Um, uh, where's I, your town? Point Pleasant, New Jersey, and, and Brick, New Jersey. It's um, all white, China, China white. Well, yeah, it's, but what leads to that is in my high school, uh, they were called uh, blues, uh, hey, which is what led to them, which uh -huh. is, uh, I, I forget what they were. They are just blue pills that were... Um, prescribed to get off of heroin right so i'm not exactly sure what those were but when they that's what a lot of people started with was mm -hmm. those pills raiding them from parents cabinets just right. like that and then when they couldn't get anymore it led to heroin and there's usually so much always heroin in new jersey they usually it's always turn to heroin so yeah. so then i start working you know in adult facilities and i noticed that pretty much in from 2009 to 2010 from there on the majority of the clients that i would get from across this nation from Baltimore, from Maine, from mm -hmm. Delaware, mm -hmm. from Rhode Island, from Connecticut, from the Midwest, were heroin addicts. Uh, the highest percentage of our clients were heroin addicts. Most of the people that were much older that came to treatment were alcoholics. Mm. Okay, a lot of um, there wasn't a lot of cocaine addicts. There were some meth addicts or some uh, poly substance like cross addiction, meth and heroin addicts. But majority was heroin, and obviously, most recently in the last few years, fentanyl. Mm -hmm. Pause right there. Okay. I want to get back in here, and since we have so many um, engaged viewers right now, uh, please, if this if this is useful for you all, if you're learning something from this mastermind over here, I have nothing. Lots of experience. I'm like Socrates. The only thing I don't. The only thing I the know only thing is that you I know, don't know. You know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, please consider sharing this video. Uh, just share it on your on your Facebook wall. Tag a friend in a post. Uh, we're trying to to reach out and Im positively impact as many people as possible. Also, if you have not checked it out yet, please click the link in the description of this video to check out the Sober Grind episode. Uh, this is episode number 13. We have 12 other awesome episodes of content uh, through there. We're also on YouTube, whatnot. Um, yeah, hopefully this is uh, awesome content for you. You're learning something. If you're just chiming in now, we're talking about the history of drugs and drug use. Pej has been laying it all out. Uh, so yeah, please stay tuned, share this video, tag a friend that might be interested, and continue to leave your questions and comments. So, please continue, Pat. <laughs> well, I mean, I, this was mostly my history with what mm. I've seen with drugs. Obviously, there's been a long, vast, huge amount of history with mm. drug use in our country and in our yeah. world, right? Um, but personally, these were my experiences. I did, I did heroin for a while. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've had to try that, right? And it was highly addictive. I remember when mm -hmm. I did heroin, I realized, like, why they said heroin is so addictive. Yeah. Um, I, it's a oncer, right? 
I one tried. time, one time, and addicted. Oh, for sure, yeah. definitely. I mean, the taste, you know, everything mm. about it. You know, mm. once you do it, you can't get enough of it. And then opium too. Mm. I mean, from the old country, yeah. like Iranian yeah. opium, Afghani opium. That stuff was a different type of body high. That mm. the kick from that. When I say the kick, the withdrawals from that were. I'm talking like I was praying to the porcelain god. I was <laughs> just laying by the by the toilet puking sweating shivering all of it i mean mm -hmm. to the point where i called my cousin and i said what's wrong what why do i feel this way and he said you're addicted you're kicking right now i'm like i never want to do this again mm -hmm. you know so so that, that was difficult but what i do see now obviously is is now the epidemic is, isn't just ice in hawaii mm -hmm. in, in this country it's it's heroin mm -hmm. it's meth mm -hmm. and it's fentanyl now, and people are cutting uh, yeah. the dope with fentanyl, which is really sad. Yeah, I, I want to. And highly addictive. Yes. Well, let's dive into to fentanyl uh, mm -hmm. a little bit. This is, as far as I'm aware, pretty recent that this epidemic for specifically fentanyl came to be. Um, you're the biggest Prince fan I know, and I'm sure a lot of people that are watching this also are Prince fans and know mm -hmm. um, uh, that tragic situation. Uh, that he overdosed on on fentanyl. Where did what's the, the history of fentanyl? Where did it come from, and how did it become such a big epidemic now? So fentanyl is an opioid, and it was created, I believe, in 1960 um, for testing. Okay. They wanted to test it, and then testing what? Well, I believe that they wanted to see they certain chemicals compounds of it. They wanted to test it to see okay. what it what its effectiveness could be. Mm -hmm. Because already there was other different types of opioids that they were mm. already using. Mm -hmm. um, I think for medicinal purposes, that's what the intention was. Down the line, what had happened was uh, they had made fentanyl patches, mm. which I first probably saw for the first time in like 2010. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, that was uh, for people that were suffering from pain, mm -hmm. chronic pain. And, and then down the line, after that, somehow people started, they learned how to derive <laughs> the fentanyl out from, they moved it from patches to to actual usage it became like a street drug mm -hmm. a lot of the the narcotics street dealers were putting it out there and then um now it's you know it's highly accessible mm -hmm. and people are, are, are cutting um heroin with it and it's much more powerful than heroin um when it comes to prince i mean i know a lot of people there's a lot of people that speculate and think that prince died from other um for other reasons mm. um I, I hate to say, and you know, I don't usually say this or talk about it too much, but I hate to say that um, it's a sad, sad thing that due to Prince, and this is my belief, I believe due yeah. to Prince is dancing in high heels and doing the splits a lot. Um, he he ended up getting a lot of hip pain, yeah, um, and then had to, from the, what I heard, get some surgeries on his hips, mm -hmm. and then he he. I don't believe that Prince was an actual drug addict. Mm -hmm. per se i believe that he grew a dependency to pain medication due to his own uh, gotcha. physical ailments and what tolerance went up and the tolerance went up yeah. and you know right the rest is history yeah now i will say this that right now a lot of street dealers are dealing fentanyl mm. um on a good note and, I'll, and i'm going to say this because i know rhonda's tuning in right now and i just talked to her today rhonda's son uh his the person who sold her son fentanyl was just arrested i believe either today or yesterday and um and the officer that was on his tail and was trying to catch him for a while wanted to make sure that he gets him and puts him in for a while so he's and not getting him. out of, he got him wow so Great. you know 
whoever Amazing. whoever did that to Prince and got it to his hands because from what I understand Prince is was a uh, accidental fentanyl overdose so mm. for it's whatever so easy to overdose on it's, it, it's he like, has what, a small body too you know it's like a hundred times more potent than heroin right right but yeah put an elephant down right it's uh, insane so I mean it's out there and it's an epidemic and I think that more people need to talk about this more people need to yeah. be made aware of it it needs to be known that this is what our kids are um not immune from using it's out there mm -hmm. um there's probably people using it right now that we know mm -hmm. or or you know it can happen at any given time they could get some heroin mm -hmm. if they're addicted to heroin and it may be cut with fentanyl and it's deadly i mean it's no joke you know they could they could pass away you know? yeah yeah so i, I want to talk about um a couple of these other kind of uh, uh zombie drugs right um the um uh, the bath salts and um, uh, flaca, I think it's called, which is a pretty new one. Mm -hmm. um, where did those come from, and what's your opinion on those, and what do you know about those drugs? Well, I haven't investigated them hard enough yet to know exactly what their origination gotcha. mm -hmm. is from, but I do know that um, it's obvious that if you look at the history of drugs over all of the, the decades and centuries, um, they just become more and more intense. Yeah. So when it Seems comes to, to chemists mixing chemicals, some of them may be people that are drug addicts themselves and mm. looking for the best next best high, or it's just kids that are experimenting. I mean, what was it? Tide pods. Kids were oh. recently doing Tide pods. Yeah, but that. I don't think that's a getting high thing. I just think kids are stupid. I don't even know why they were doing that. <laughs> it's so. I, I didn't even look that far so into it, but it, it just. You know, but you know, kid, like I said, there was a time when I would sniff gas and mm -hmm. and whiteout to get a head change. Yeah. So kids will try anything. Yeah, I've heard uh, a lot of kids um, uh, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. Yeah. That's definitely I've seen actually people that become um, it be, they justify and they don't want to drink actual alcohol. So hand sanitizer, mouthwash. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, rice wine vinegar. I've heard too. Vanilla extract. Yeah, these all have alcohol in them. Yeah. So they can get a quick buzz, and mm -hmm. um, you know, some people will use those just to get a quick head change, mm. take the edge off. You mm. know, or think that well, it's not actually alcohol. So, yeah, I mean, it's out there. People are doing it, and it's scary and sad. But it's about you know what what is it what is it about people that's making them go in that direction in the first place? You know, what's your opinion on Breaking Bad? The show Breaking Bad. Yeah. Did you like it? What's your opinion? I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I loved that show. I, mm -hmm. I, I, it's not a trigger for me. It, mm -hmm. It's a trip. Like in my first couple of years as Brady, I don't know what it was. I was fascinated by going on YouTube and watching somebody smoke meth, mm. and it definitely made me kind of that during that time. It was kind of triggering. Mm -hmm. But then um, over a period of time, I just, you know, I things evolved and things changed and my mentality changed and I just don't want to do drugs anymore. Mm -hmm. But I remember, you know, when, when Breaking Bad came out, I'm like, of course they're going to make a TV show that's based around the story of my life in a sense, you know. A lot of stuff that was going on in there, it was, oh, you know, on the big screen, it, it's a lot, it's more, you know, Hollywoody. but, you know, the, that, you know, it was very well made, very mm -hmm. well made and I, I enjoyed, it, enjoyed it thoroughly. I still watch it from time to time. It's a good show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, does anyone else have any any questions? We're uh, running pretty long here. This is a great talk. Oh, we just got one in. Started on Vicodin, then started taking snorting oxys, then smoked them, and then they changed the 
something. And then they changed the... Can't see... Change the what? Oh, there it is. Changed the formula. It went to heroin. Surprised how many people had Oxycontin in their house. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean... Uh, a couple years ago, that documentary uh, behind the orange curtain uh, came out. Did you did you watch that? Oh yeah, I know all about it. There's that yeah. one. There's one thing in there that that has stuck with me that I, I was just blown away by. That um, people would go to open houses mm -hmm. and read the medicine cabinets there mm -hmm. uh, and take pain medication and all these different. Just things like Bob's saying right there. Addiction. Yeah, it's 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 in people's. Yeah. I'll it's bet you there. I'll bet you there's still some old school oxycotton. That people never ate in people's houses as we speak. Well, well, sure. And I yeah. mean, you know, kids growing up, they go over to their friend's house or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some of them go over to other people's grandparents' yeah. house who yeah. have all this stuff. And it's it's just these so kids, accessible. These kids these days um, glorify Xanax bars, call them Xanny bars. Like, oh, I like, know there's rappers that sing. Yeah, well, they, they glorify that stuff like we used to glorify like a big butt of weed. Mm -hmm. Like for us, a big butt of weed looked enticing. Mm -hmm. These days, kids say that about Xanax. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like really cool to have a lot of Xanny bars. At the end of the day, it's just take, it basically kills your anxiety, but um, I'm happy I never got into that stuff. Yeah. How do you get out of a K-hole if you're stuck in one? Well, for one, you just go sit in the corner. I know, I've been in a K-hole. Ketamine. Mm. Um, Heard some stories. I, I. It's a whole other world. Mm. I say you just go and lay down, and when you get out of it, you don't go back into it. Mm. I, 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 you know, I think you could definitely um, warp your mind with that stuff. It's only intended for cats and oxes. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a tranquilizer. It's, a, it's supposed a, to put yeah, down an animal. It's like a horse tranquilizer, yep. right? Well, here's a here's a what's a your opinion on question? My opinion on Suboxone. Great question. Thank you, Luke, for asking this question. Suboxone is not sober. That's what we say, you know, amongst mm. friends, definitely, and colleagues. Suboxone is not sober. Suboxone is the modern day. Um, what was it? Suboxone is what was it? Methadone. The modern day methadone, but it doesn't get you high, but it can get you high depending mm -hmm. on the person. So suboxone is intended to get you off of opiates. You're supposed to take it like there's supposed to be a taper. My mm -hmm. opinion is that it should be used. You know, so that the, you don't go through all the pain and all that. But get off of it soon. Anywhere from a three to seven day taper. Ten mm -hmm. at the most. But um, anything more than that, Suboxone maintenance, I don't believe in it. I don't mm -hmm. think it's effective. I don't think that you have the chance to get true sobriety if you're stuck on Suboxone. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of doctors that put their uh, patients on MAT um, to each their own. I don't, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think that people need to continue uh, or claim that they're in recovery if they're on Suboxone. Mm -hmm. there, there's a chance, you know, obviously if you've tried to do opiates, there's going to be a backlash to that. You either get off the opiates for good and, and do your Suboxone to get off of them, but know what Suboxone was intended for. It's not intended for you to be on it long term. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I hope that answered your question. Does anyone have any other questions before we wrap this amazing episode up today? It's been a great show. It really has. Time has flown by. Oh my gosh, we're at 35 minutes already. Yeah. We could keep this going forever. The history of drugs, it's endless. Endless Luke, talks. We'll, we'll Maybe talk, we'll talk, Luke, more we'll talk about, about that later when I see you. The replacement <laughs> therapy. Yep. Um, gotcha. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again so much for joining us on episode 13 of the Sober Grind Sober Grind, Podcast. baby. Uh, once again, 
please subscribe to this podcast. You can find the link to iTunes in the description of this. We are also on Google Play and YouTube. All of these are recorded and then posted on there later. Also, uh, oh. Ask an Addiction Specialist. Yes. We have a page on Facebook. It's a group, right? The link's also in the description. That's right. The link's in the description, and you can go in the top bar and type in Ask an Addiction Specialist. Come and join us on there. You can ask anything you want. For a loved one, if you're suffering with addiction, if you were suffering with addiction, come and help someone. People ask questions. We can answer questions. Or, you know, it's it's open to anybody. Just come and sign in to Ask an Addiction Specialist. We will approve you if we deem you be fit. Are you worthy? <laughs> Just kidding. Pretty much anyone. We'll approve you yeah, if you want. We'll approve you. <laughs> so come, come in and talk to us, all right? Join Thank us, you. hang out. And last but not least, this podcast is, of course, brought to you by Beginning treatment center they make this all possible they offer all levels of care and are located in beautiful and sunny southern california if you are interested and would love to learn more and speak to a friendly addiction specialist give them a call at 800-387-6907 or go directly to their website at beginningstreatment.com i have one more thing i want to tap in there lay out lay it out we have an intervention training April 13th, 14th, yes. and 15th in Orange County, California. I can't wait. It will be conducted by Earl Hightower. He will be teaching people how to become interventionists. If you're interested in becoming an interventionist, please, you can go ahead and call me at 949-751-7761. I can give you all the deets, and we can get you involved, and we can get you signed up. Uh, there the are legendary some Earl seats. Hightower. Yes. <laughs> Don't miss this opportunity. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in, and thank you for your support. Thank you, Pesh. Mm -hmm.